welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. for Mondays. You know that we're sold out. I told you, you needed to get them. Now, if you want one, you have to get it on the black market. <laughs> eBay, Craigslist. Uh, my boys were selling them online, triple the price. But anyways, uh, uh, love it, love it, love it. Hey, uh, if, you, if you got a mug or whether you haven't, we've been doing this series uh, made for Mondays. And uh, next week is on how to share your faith. Maybe you want to put your mug in a more prominent spot. But we're going to talk about how to share your faith in the marketplace. What can you do and how does God want to use you there? But uh, I don't have time for a review. I don't have time for that. But I will tell you this, that I do need to give one clarification, okay? I want to be very clear. My mom loves old people, okay? All right? She loves, last week, if people misunderstood, like, my mom doesn't like old people. And I want to say this, River Valley loves old people. Everyone's welcome. Young, old, everyone's welcome. So here at all of our campuses, I want you to just get up and go hug an old person. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I'm not old. I'm only offended like when AARP sends you that card. I was like, get that out of here. I'm 50. Get that. I'm not old. But anyways, we love old people, young and old. And now that that's been clarified, my mom will invite me back over for dinner. All right. So anyways, today we're going to talk about workaholics. We're going to talk about workaholics. And um, it doesn't hit everybody, but it does hit where we live. You may be here, like, I'm retired, or I'm not that big of a workaholic, but I'm telling you, this one hits our church pretty strong. We have a good work ethic, but many times you take work ethic beyond that, and it becomes workaholic. Now, I'm going to use a lot of humor in this sermon, but I just want to say this right now. I just feel so strong. If you're a workaholic, um, even though we may laugh, I want you to have heart surgery right now. Really. Even though we may have stuff that's funny, um, I'm not just asking you to change. I really think you need to repent. Okay, so how's that for coming out strong? Workaholics, you know, you might, it might be praised at work, but I'm telling you, it's out of order and we've got to take a look. I myself have to look inside and battle. I battle this line and this push and it's something where we live. I mean, in the United States, 55% of Americans don't use up their vacation. 55%. I give a, usually an annual talk to the staff and I say, you've cheated us. We, we paid for you to use your vacation. We gave you that so you could be refreshed. We wanted to fresh you, not a war out you. It's not a badge of honor to not use your vacation. We only allow our employees to roll over a week from one year to the next. And what a shame to have weeks go unused. I mean, we answer questions. We say like, how you doing? We say busy. Now, how many of you don't say it like busy? Like we're sad. We say it like busy badge of honor, busy. I used to say busy in a good way. And then somebody said, how is it busy in a good way? So I dropped that. We, we um, have 24-7 availability. 
I remember when I bought cell phones, you know, and, and approved like cell phones for the pastors, you know, to get a cell phone allowance. And then when I would call them and they wouldn't answer at any time of the day or night, I'd get angry about it. And then one of them said to me, hey, just because you paid $70 for my phone, you don't own me 24-7. They still work for us too, you know, just like, you know. But it was a good wake-up call. You're like, you know, that's right. I don't own the person with 24-7 just for $70 cell phone. But it's the way we live. How many know that? I mean, we award busy. The person at work that's super busy gets the award, and I will never forget this. Becca came home, you know, when she worked for a major health company. She worked for a major health company in Minnesota. And um, she went to the Christmas party, and I didn't go with her. I can't remember why, but I was probably working. But no, I, just, I, I, don't, I didn't, don't, don't remember why I went. But she came home, and I said, how was the work party, you know, Christmas party? She goes, it was horrible. I said, well, they usually are, you know, Christmas party, you know, at work. And she goes, no, you don't understand. She goes, they wanted to honor this guy at the Christmas party. And they said, you know, come on up here. This guy worked so hard this year. We changed over the whole software and everything. And he's employee of the year. And they give him the award in front of everybody. They're all clapping. And then he gets up there. He goes, thanks. I appreciate this. I worked a lot. He goes, lost my family this year. Uh, my wife left me. And, but uh, this award means a lot. And he walks out. How do you clap for that? It's like people wanted to cry. They wanted to like go lay hands on them, pray for them. I mean, but we reward busy. Don't use up our vacation. We 24-7 availability, uh, emails in the middle of the night. You know, we have office offices. We have airplane offices. We have Starbucks offices. We have home offices that aren't just for decoration. We're working all the time. I mean, speaking of home offices, did you see that uh, guy on the BBC doing the interview from his home office and then his kids come running in? I mean, if you didn't see it, it's worth seeing. Take a look at this clip. This guy's doing a home office interview. Take a look at this. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North and uh, South Korea's policy choices. On I North mean, how, how's that? That's like priceless. There with uh, the guy just at home, like you know, get get out of here. Get out of here. So some people were having fun with that, and they said, "How would that have happened if like a lady was doing the interview?" So take a look at a working mom doing the same interview. The question now is how do people respond to their scandals? For the wider region, I think one of your children has just walked in, but I mean, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, it's unclear at the moment what effect former President Gunhae's impeachment will have on the territories. Unfortunately, discontent in South Korea is not only related to President Gunhae's administration. <laughs> Okay. This is a major embarrassment uh, for South Korea, who often criticizes the north of corruption right. and who now find themselves in the middle of a massive corruption case themselves. Sorry, you do look rather busy there. We can reschedule this. President Gunhae is no. very likely to face jail time too. Okay. I would argue, in an attempt to make an example of her. Yes, how many love that ladies can multitask? And I just want to say this to uh, all the moms, you are so hardworking. And whether it's the marketplace or in the home, you were made for Mondays in the home. And let's give a shout out and a show of appreciation to all the moms that are out there.
working so hard. Whether you're in the marketplace or at home, moms, you have uh, a special place. I love what Megan uh, Regendorf said on her blog. She said, I realize now that in becoming a mother, I didn't lose my identity, I found it. And moms, you have an important role to play. And uh, thank you for your hard work in that. And if you like country music, uh, I would have had our band sing it for special music, but they don't like country. But uh, if you like country music, Carrie Underwood has that song, What I Never Knew I Always Wanted. She's saying, I didn't know I always wanted that. And then I found it, and then I found it, and then I found it. I'm telling you, thank you, moms, for the hard work that you're doing. Now, there's a passage I want to use that I use at weddings, and it's very appropriate for right now in this series. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Verse 2, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I just want to tell you right now, if you are struggling as a workaholic, if you are somebody like, I am working all the time, you need to memorize that scripture. It's vain to rise up early and to stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. We're going to tear into that a little more at the end of this, but that's a great verse for you to memorize. Now, we are workaholics, most of us, if you're a workaholic, you're a workaholic by choice. Okay, you're a workaholic by choice. It used to be that in America, you had a six-day work week. But in 1908, in order to accommodate the Jewish faith, in 1908 in New England, they said, you know what? The Jewish people want their Sabbath on Saturday and the Christians want Sunday. And so we're going to accommodate this and go to a five-day work week and give a two-day weekend, not a one-day weekend. So it was only 1908 that we actually got a two-day weekend. In 1940, it was established that a 40-hour work week was full-time. Prior to that, there was no establishment. Uh, a work week could be anything that anyone, anyone wanted, okay, from morning until night. And so in 1940, the uh, Fair Labor Standards said, hey, a 40-hour work week, that's considered full-time. So you got to understand, in America, we've been recognizing that we're driven, that we like to achieve, that we like to go after things. And so there have been laws put in place and accommodations put in place. And now if you're a workaholic, many of us are a workaholic by choice. And if you're like me, you struggle. Okay, I have to admit, I'm driven. I like to achieve. I like to go. Um, going to church has been a lot of work, but it's been very fulfilling. And I can remember going up to one of my mentors. Um, Leith Anderson used to mentor me. He's the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. He was pastor of Wooddale. Um, I got one lunch with him. I, I went out bold and just said, hey, can I have one lunch with you? Give me one hour. He gave me one hour, and then afterwards I said, hey, would, could I get another hour, like three times a year? Could I meet with you for lunch? He said, I want to do that. I want to help mentor you. I remember one of the times that I met with him, I said, I got a question. Am I a workaholic? I said, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to figure this out. I, I'm trying to find the balance in my life. I'm living in this tug of war of am I a workaholic? And he said, well, do you take your day off? I said, yeah, I take my day off. I do. He goes, do you use up all your vacation every year? I said, yes. I use up all my vacation. He goes, do you have dinner at home like three, four nights a week? I said, yes, I do. He goes, okay, you're not a workaholic. You're a hard worker. And I left that office. I was like, okay, good, 
good. I want to be a hard worker. I want to be a good steward. I want to give a good return for what I've been called to do. But I also want to make sure that my priorities are right and that when God looks down, he's saying, okay, you're not out of order. You're not living in the tug of war and letting the marketplace work and win. I mean, so we've got to have this balance and it's different for every one of us. Every one of us is wired differently. Don't impose your uh, you know, workload on somebody else's. But as follower of Jesus, um, we need to get this work-life balance right in a world that gets it so wrong. This is a way for us to stand out of being able to say, God, we want to get it right in a world that gets it so wrong. We will get the work-life balance in line. See, because a workaholic is a person who compulsively works hard and long hours. Okay? The key word there is compulsively. Again, you could be a hard worker, but it's saying compulsively that against your own conscious wishes, you keep doing it. Against what you know is right, you keep pushing. Against what you know, you keep going after it. And so you look at it, you say, am I a hard worker or am I a workaholic? Again, you might work long hours and you might be here today and you might be watching at one of the campuses and you're saying, I, I work long hours. Well, maybe it's because you have a hard taskmaster. Maybe you have a boss that just expects too much of you. And if that's you, I would say at the end of service, you know, go up to a prayer team member and say, hey, I want to pray that either God will let me have a Daniel-type moment where I'll say, hey, test me and see if I, if I use all my vacation this year and if I take my day off, see if I'm not the most productive. And if I'm not, let me go. And, and maybe you can have a Daniel moment or maybe you might have to pray for a release and God to bring you somewhere else. Okay, so you might be working because of that. Some of us, we may be working long hours because you love your work. I mean, know that quote, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. That's not true. That's not true, all right? It, it, it has a, a nice sound to it, but you're still working. But I, I get the point of it. But maybe you love your work. And sometimes I'm caught up in what I'm doing and I realize I love this and I'm doing this and it's, it's fulfilling. But then I realize, wait, I was made for more than this. Some of us um, have busy sprint seasons and don't confuse a busy, busy sprint season with being a workaholic. Okay, because if you're in accounting, your tax season is probably busy. If you're a teacher, final is probably busy, really busy time. Um, maybe you're in sales, end of the month, busy, busy. Okay, even at River Valley Church, we have a busy season. Okay, after you all return from summer vacation um, and we have the fall and everybody comes back, all the programs get going. We call that our fall launch and that leads right into sparkle. And we have the sparkle sprint at River Valley. Okay, so we know that. Thank God sparkles on every month, but thank God we have it in the fall. And there's a sprint that pushes our church back into momentum, okay? But some of us work long hours because we're a workaholic. You just love work more than you should. It's out of order. And it really has become an idol to you. The workplace can become an idol. Workaholic is not just a term. It's really idolatry. I know that sounds weird because we think we're not into idol worship. We're not into idolatry, but Tim Keller wrote an amazing book on, on the workplace. And he talked about this and he said, when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing, it's an idol. And you got to ask yourself, is my good thing of work my ultimate thing? And if your good thing has become an ultimate thing, it really has pushed God over to the side and it's become an idol in your life. And God's saying that's not acceptable we have to have a, a, a Christian view of work so that work becomes our servant rather than our master. 
I hope you grab this. I want you to say, my job serves my God. My job serves my family. That's what it does. I, I don't serve my job. My job is actually a way for me to be on mission for God. My job is actually a way for me to take care of my family. And my job is not at the top. God is at the top. My family comes in there. Then comes the job. We have to have the right order. If you don't watch it before you know it, your whole identity will be wrapped up in your job. Your whole identity. And have you ever noticed that we always introduce people like this? We're like, hey, this is Keith. He's vice president of marketing at blah, blah, blah company. That's how we introduce him, right? How many know that? Did you know that millennials, did you know that those under 30, the generation that's under 30 is not introducing their friends that way anymore? It's not like, hey, he's so-and-so at Target. They don't do that. Uh, part of it might be that they have 4.4 different jobs between college and age 30. That's part of it. But also they're saying, we're not going to get wrapped up in that. That's not going to define us. What if instead of saying, hey, this is Keith, VP of marketing, blah, blah, blah. What if instead of that, we said, hey, this is Keith. He's the most kind-hearted, gentle giant, man. He's a sold-out follower of God. He's got an amazing family. He's the kind of guy that has your back. I mean, he's a guy that can keep a confidence and he's a guy that can answer a 3 a.m. phone call. I thought you two should meet. How many need some more 3 a.m. phone call type of friends, right? I, and so how about for the week, we just try that. Let's introduce all of our friends that way and see what happens. It might start a workplace revival. Yeah. Made for Mondays. I'm just saying, let's give it a try. If we just, we can't let that become our identity. And if you're living in it, like that's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am, and it's out of order. If a good thing has become the ultimate thing, you need to change. I can tell you this, my dad was one of the hardest working people I ever knew in my life. And my dad said, I won't be defined by the workplace. I won't be defined by the workplace. I will be defined by my following God and my family that I love. And I'm, I'm not going to be defined by that. And my dad worked three different jobs. My dad was a service advisor at Key Cadillac for over 30 years. My dad was in the Army and then in the Army Reserve. My dad also did inventory for a local restaurant in Burnsville. Three different jobs. But I can tell you this, he had to work and he loved to be with his family. And if you love to work and have to be with your family, you're out of order. I'm telling you, some of the best memories of my dad, some of the best memories of my dad was him watching my baseball game in his white shirt from work because he had to wear a suit and tie. And he'd be there in his white shirt. His suit jacket would be in the car. His, his tie would be in the car. He'd be on a lawn chair eating a meal that my mom had wrapped in cellophane. And he'd rush straight from work to get to the lawn chair so he could cheer me on. And I, I'm just telling you, as I sat there, I realized, like, he loves being here. He loves, like, he has to work, but he loves being here. He loves us. And I'm telling you, that's the way we have to live. It's a legacy that my dad passed on where he has a, a wife that he loved deeply. And I wish you could have known my dad. I mean, he has kids that are living in the legacy now. Kids that, praise God, don't need therapy. How many know how valuable that is? And, and we've just got to get there and say, God, I, I have to be at work, but I love to be with my family. I love to be in your house. I love to do other things for your glory and for your honor. I love that I get vacation and get to go on a global team. I love this, Lord. I love it. We should be at our job and love what God allows us to do. I, I tried to figure out who is the Bible's first workaholic. And if you know your Bible well, the first workaholic I could find was Moses, okay? So in Exodus 18, I, I, you just realize this guy is a workaholic. 
This guy is on mission for God and it's very important, but this guy is a workaholic. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Bible gives us a glimpse into the first workaholic's life. That Moses is, the Bible tells us from morning till night, he's helping to judge these people. He's sitting there from morning till night. Every day, every day, every day. Matter of fact, he ships his kids off because he can't handle He's like, morning till night, morning till night. So his father-in-law comes and looks at him. His father's like, what are you doing? You're out of order. You're completely out of order here. He's like, you're not doing it right. Exodus 18, verse 17. It says, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. And then he goes on and tells them, I want you to delegate things. Smaller problems here, medium-sized problems here, bigger problems here, and then the biggest ones come to you. You've got to have this delegated. You've got to learn to say no and be able to empower other people. Matter of fact, that's one of the strengths of our church. Our pastors are commissioned to empower and delegate and give out and tap and say, hey, come on, help us. And so Jethro's saying, come on, you've got to do this. It's too busy for you to do. You can't do that. There's another story about his really, what I think would be workaholic attitude or neglect of the important things. Okay, in Exodus chapter 4, I won't read it, but in Exodus chapter 4, God's speaking to Moses in a burning bush. God's telling him what he needs to do. And later on in the chapter, Moses is going on his way. He's going to go to Egypt. And the Bible says that God was waiting. It was going to take Moses' life. God was upset with Moses because he didn't do what he was supposed to do for his family. God's mark in the Old Testament upon his people was that every male had to be circumcised. And Moses was told, you have to circumcise your two boys. It's your responsibility. That's what you're called to do, dad. So in Exodus chapter 4, it says God is waiting to take Moses' life. He's upset that he hasn't done what he's supposed to do for his family. And his wife, Zephora, goes and circumcises her two grown children. Okay, dads, I got news for you. No mom wants to circumcise her boys, okay? You're like awkward silence. All right. (laughs) Okay, and I want to say this. Workaholic person, mom or dad, you know what you're doing? You're, you're, you're delegating what you're supposed to do to the other person. You need to do your job. And she comes up, she's like, I did this job. I saved your life. And we get a glimpse into somebody that's not living up to what they're supposed to do at home. You, you can't delegate away being dad. You can't delegate away the things throughout the home. You can't delegate away mom. Those are roles that you can only play. And he can't delegate away. And God's upset with Moses that he's not obeying it, that he's working. I mean, you think about it. He could have said, I mean, I'm sorry, Zephora. I mean, he was speaking to me in a burning bush. I mean, and I was focused on Egypt and the Pharaoh and everything, you know. You got to do what you're called to do. Andy Stanley in his book, Choosing to Cheat. In the book, Choosing to Cheat, he said, you know, we keep delegating things and we Give so many hours and so many hours and so many hours and you keep delegating, 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 delegating. You're like, keep, sorry, honey, sorry, honey, sorry, honey, sorry, honey, until your spouse is so overloaded that all of a sudden they snap. And then you're like, well, it was only one little thing that I asked you to do. No, it's the sum total of things that you kept asking and asking and asking to do. He's like, you can't do it. 
You got to put God first. You got to put your family next. Your job has to come after that. So Moses gets caught up in work and, 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 and his father-in-law helps him. He changes. And, and I want to tell you, there's lots of help out there. You can Google uh, and find some modern-day Solomons out there. Forbes magazine will give you all sorts of things on workaholics. TED Talks. I mean, before there were TED Talks, there was Solomon. But I found a couple of TED Talks that were out there that I thought were incredible. Uh, Peter Shankman wrote an article. Uh, he actually wrote the book Faster Than Normal. And he writes about this. He said, I was addicted to success. I was addicted to the adrenaline. I was addicted to the, to the drug, the dopamine that was just being released when I close a deal, when I'd stand in front of people. And he goes, I was addicted. And he said, I, I had to realize that I, I couldn't live that way anymore. And this guy, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he says this. He says, to prevent workaholism or recover from it, all we need to do is find other things we love just as much and do those on a regular basis. I think God's saying, what you need to do is spend time with me more than this. You want the rush? Hear my well done, not the work well done. All right? There's a well done. You know, there's, it's a joy to hear, Daddy's home! Versus we close the deal. There's a well done that we've got to listen to. Matter of fact, Shonda Rhimes in her TED Talk, she did the year of saying yes. I mean, I'm listening to this lady. I felt like a slacker compared to her. She's like, I produce this show, this show, this show, this show. I'm a writer for this, this, this. 70 hours of this, 100 shows, blah, blah, blah. And she's going on and on. And as she's talking, I'm like, I, I do nothing, okay? I'm listening to this lady. And here's what she said. She said, I got addicted to the hum of the marketplace. She said, I got addicted to it, the hum of the marketplace. And then she said, you know what I realized though? She said, I realized that I had a home and I had three daughters, but I felt homeless in the hum. Homeless in the hum. And she said, like, what type of person loves work more than family? She said, my work started to taste like dust to me. So she said, I stopped and I decided I'm going to start playing with my kids. And if my kids ever ask me to play with them, I'm going to say yes. No matter what, even if I'm walking out the door, I'm going to say yes. And she said, it's an amazing thing because most of the time they only want to play for 15 minutes anyways. She said, short attention spans. And she said to my 12-year-old, she never wants to talk, so, you know. But she said, I'm willing to do that. And she said, you know what? I started to grab a new hum. I started to grab the hum of having a home, of having a family, of having a life, of hearing well done, of being loved, of, of feeling love and joy and peace. And way before TED Talks, Solomon figured this out in Ecclesiastes 10.15. He said, work wears fools out. They don't even know how to get home. Don't let work wear you out so much that you come home at one in the morning. Your family's all asleep. You wake up at five in the morning, six in the morning. Off you go before the kids are up. That's not, that's, you're not finding your way home. It's not just to a bed. It's to your family if, if you're working so much that you don't have time to do your devotion time, if you don't have time for church, matter of fact, there might be somebody watching right now online and you're like, I was so busy. I'm trying to stay connected to my family. I'm at the office. I'm watching online. That's a substitute. That, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You should be with your family. You should make every effort. And I understand where it's not possible, but when it's possible, put the pen down. Get into church with your family. Be there with them. Proverbs 14.30, the Living Bible Translation says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. I just want you to live longer. 
I want you to use your vacation. I want you to take that time. I want you to live for God's well done more than the workplace well done. Don't let work become an idol. Don't do it. You are not successful because of your workload. You are successful because of your love level. Let me say that again. You are not successful because of your workload. You are successful because of your love level. And I would just say, does God say, man, your love level's high? Or does God say, "Mm mm-mm, lacking? Does your family say love level's high? Or does your family say love level's low? Let me be very transparent. The other day, Logan, our youngest son, said to me, he goes, Dad, you know, you're kind of busy right now. Man, I think you need to be around a little more. Okay, I'm right now in a busy season. Right now is when tons of my outside speaking things come and all the different states have their all pastor conventions. And so, you know, last week I was in New Mexico. I'm going to Nebraska, I've had New Jersey. Okay, I'm in a busy season. And as he shared that with me, you know, I wanted to say this, like, well, you know, Logan's love language, you know, is, is touch and time together. And so when I'm gone, I can't give him a hug and I can't spend time with him. So that's just love language speaking out. I'm really not working that hard. You know, because after all, Connor's love language is words of affirmation and gifts. So I could just call him and say, Connor, I love you. I bought you a gift. He's like, yay, dad. Stay in New Mexico. You know, bring me back a big gift, you know. Okay, different. And I was going to excuse it away, like, well, Logan, you know. And then Becca weighed in, like, well, I think Logan has a point. All right. Self-reflection. Maybe I'm a little addicted to that dopamine and that other things. And I know it's part of the calling, but I've got to find that right balance. Hey, Moses could say, I was at a burning bush. It was for God. I could do the same thing. You say, but it's for the sale, it's for the deal, it's for the retirement, it's for the betterment, kids' college fund. We can fill in the blank and put in all the excuses we want. You're not known for, you know, our workload. We need to be known for our love level. And is it full or not? Jesus said, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it if you win all the awards? Stand up there, I lost my family. Let's not be workaholics. Let's have the the greatest work ethic. Let's work in our 40 or 50, whatever it is that we're at. Let's work as good as we can. Let's be the best, highest producers. Let's have Daniel moments where test and see if I can use my vacation and still be the top performer here. Let's have that. Let me close with the scripture I opened with. Psalm 127. I want to just read that last verse of verse 2, that last sentence. So he says, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, uh, look toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I want to give you two ways you can interpret that. Two ways. The first one is God will give you the sleep you need if you keep the order right. God, family, work. God's going to give you the sleep. He's going to grant you the sleep, okay? But the New American Standard Version, the way that they interpret it, I love the way it says that. It says, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. And the his, the second one, is lowercase. So it's saying God gives to his beloved people even in their sleep. I love the way that's interpreted. It's saying that God will take care of you if you keep your order right. God can work on the deal while you're sleeping. God can soften hearts. God can make things happen. God can give you clarity of thought for the next day. And he's saying God gives in their sleep. He gives his beloved blessings. He takes care of them. I just pray that you'll grab hold of this. We'll say, God Family, work. Life is too important to live for the wrong well done. 
Life is way too important to live for the wrong well done. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to live for the right well done. The right well done. Lord, I pray that we'd be the hardest working people. And in our allotted time, we would give the best return for the hours that we give to our employers. But I pray that we'd use up our vacation. We'd have our day off. We'd protect that time. We'd make sure that we play with our kids, that we give the spouse the love they need. And we'd live for your well done. Help us to have time and margin to work around your church to make a difference. Help us to have time and margin to give love to the people around us and be judged by our love level and not our workload. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.